You've heard of Huntley and Brinkley, McNeil and Lehrer, Simon and Garfunkel, Bob and Ray. Now here's Mishigas and Malarkey. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. How are you? Good. How you doing? <laughs> All right. So what, what, what episode are we on anyway? Now you're really putting me on the spot. It's season two, episode 22. Oh, okay. Or episode number 31. So, so what's our, what's our um, you know, our leading lead item here? Um, you know, I, we do already did an episode called Rut Row. So um, I don't know if we could, uh, you know, recycle that or just say uh, hashtag red state exodus. Well, yeah, it's uh, rut row for reals. Uh, <laughs> now it's reality. It it's um, the thing is it well it it's interesting for any number of reasons, and of course it's a, a horrendous decision. But uh, it we don't know exactly how anything's going to play out. There's going to be a lot of things happening now that uh, no one has seen in fifty years. Mm-hmm. So that's that's going to be wild mm. uh so it's and, kind of like comet kahootek or something well yeah it's it's you know i mean it's like the joke did you remember to set your clock back 50 years this weekend <laughs> last night yeah yeah but uh and the thing is they're not they're not going to quit with this i mean mike pence immediately came out calling for a nationwide abortion ban right and the the thing is whether or not um now, Pence, at least to his credit, I think he actually does believe a lot of his own stuff. So mm. he probably does actually believe in that. But mm-hmm. uh, whether they believe in it or not, they're going to have to keep raising the stakes because mm-hmm. that's the whole thing. I mean, what what can they do now? They can't say, OK, we won. Everybody go home. You don't have to vote for this. <laughs> again. Right. I mean, everybody, you know, everybody right. go home and crack a beer and uh you know, you don't have to turn out and vote anymore. We did it. We did it. You know, of yep. course not. I mean, they're going to now they're going to go after everything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to, uh, you know, Clarence Thomas explicitly said that, it, you know, they should revisit all these other decisions that say mm-hmm. there's a right to privacy. So, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. But you he, left this... that, he left off. Uh, what is that? Loving versus Virginia. Yeah. 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 I don't know why. I don't know why I forgot that one. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's the big mystery, but, uh, you know, so it's, it's going to get a lot, a lot crazier, um, as crazy as things have been, we are not even halfway up the crazy hill, I suppose. Really? Wow. Yeah. So, uh, well, anyway, you know, the good news is that this episode is sponsored by U-Haul, uh, which is offering a 20% off on any row relocation package. You know. Now, we, we uh, U-Haul can can relocate a single woman. That's the basic package. A single woman and her business. Uh, and then, of course, the deluxe package is a single woman and her children and her business. If she'd like to leave her husband back in a red state and uh, relocate to a blue one. Well... <sighs> Yeah, I don't. I don't even know if we should be making jokes. I mean, it's like well, it's I'm like, not making a joke. 
because you know when i see people saying we have to uh you know uh impeach or we have to remove supreme court justices we have to expand the court we have to do away with the electoral college we have to you know i mean they, they just have so many uh reactions that are really not that feasible uh at least not in the near to midterm it's going to take you know just like it took them 50 years to overturn this it's going to take decades to repair the damage so you know what's what's a lot easier simply pick up uh there's a a map already showing the however many 13 or 23 red states that are going to uh pass legislation uh you know restricting or banning abortion and then you can see on the map where is the closest blue state and just start making plans to relocate you get your little u-haul truck fill it up uh the gas is expensive but uh let's say you're driving from louisiana to new mexico it's uh, a 15 hour drive and uh tonight you can be uh you know in a free state well, yeah, I mean, we're going back to the 1850s where, uh, you know, we're going to have like the uh, Underground Railroad. Well, it's like the, the, the low level war they had in Kansas over uh, whether Kansas would be a slave state or a free state. Yeah. Now, and, what happened uh, with that? Because speaking of Kansas, strangely, uh, it, it is not one of those states on the map that looks like it's going to ban or restrict. Well, yeah, but the, the maps that we're looking at, we don't know what's going to happen yet. I mean, that's that's the thing, because uh, like Florida is always neutral on those maps. And like a guy like DeSantis now is kind of stuck in a dilemma because he he, you know, he's running for reelection. If he pushes to ban abortion in Florida, that's he, you know, can assume that will uh, will impact his reelection yet the right wingers are going to be demanding that of him. Right. So what does he do? So, and you know, all around the country, there's going to be things like that. Uh, it's going to be easiest for the politicians who don't really have anything riding on it. You know, if they're in a, uh, you know, absolutely red district or red state, they can come out and just, you know, call for everything like this idiot. Who's the governor of uh, South Dakota was on TV today. And she, she wants to have a, she wants to outlaw any abortion drugs, anything like that. You know, like in other words, if you live in South Dakota, you wouldn't be able to uh, get a prescription sent to you from right. out of state. Uh, so that's why the easiest thing here is just to leave the state. Well, yeah. Like, but well, for he, example, which Dakota is she in? Uh, South Dakota. Well, right next door, Minnesota. Well, yeah, but I mean, we, I'm not even sure how Minnesota is going to go. I mean, that's the whole thing. I mean, this could all hinge on who wins the next election. Mm. So, uh, you know. Well, anyway, regardless, I don't think, I mean, they're showing all the East Coast uh, from, from Maine all the way down to North Carolina uh, looks, quote unquote, free. And on the West Coast from all the way up in, you know, Washington, right, all the way down through California. Yeah, but Youngkin in Virginia is already talking about doing something. So, you know, within a week or so, that's going to change again. I mean, we're going to have, uh, you know, and, and see, the problem is they're not going to just say, hey, we won. That's great. It's all over. I mean, they're, you know, they're going to have to keep feeding the beast, <laughs> you know, and uh, 
And see, the other thing is when, you know, I've always thought that this would be uh, something that could happen, but if it happened, it would actually backfire. It would be like the, you know, the story of the dog chasing the truck. And then mm. what, what if the dog catches the truck? What does it yeah, do with it? Right. <laughs> uh, you know, a lot of their, a lot of their fundraising for years has been uh, built around the abortion right. stuff. So, uh, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out, mm-hmm. but I don't, I don't think we're, uh, we're at the end of it. No, it's not the uh, beginning of the end. It's the end of the beginning. Is that, was that the quote? Yeah, but I don't, I think we're still at the beginning of the beginning. The beginning know, of think, the, be- well then, you know, yeah. you could coin that. Uh, I yeah. think, I think you probably, uh, I would look and see if somebody's got that URL. All right. Anyway, so um, we're now moving into our absolutely the last pandemic update. We could keep it short. Yeah, well, I saw Joe Biden getting off a plane in uh, I guess it's in Germany and he didn't have a mask on and he was shaking hands with people and sort of, you know, being old traditional Joe Biden, you know, happy to see everyone. And it just struck me because I'm so used to seeing him always being quite careful wearing uh i guess he figures everyone there is vaccinated and it's a safe environment plus he was outside but it just struck me odd now i saw a photograph where they're all standing leaders guys are standing together and they're not wearing ties either yeah yeah they were really cutting loose over there in bavaria Mm -hmm. i guess uh and you got uh Justin Trudeau with the kind of the wide stance there. He sort of looks like reminded me of uh, Elvis Presley. Somebody should have handed him a guitar. (laughs) It could happen, I suppose. You know, John Lennon also had that wide stance. Yeah. And remember there was, um, who was it? Senator Larry Craig. Remember he was arrested. (laughs) Yeah. He he was arrested in a men's room and he said, "I, I wasn't tapping the guy's shoe. I just, uh, I have a wide stance. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's move on to an insurrection week. And you give us the kind of the top line summary. Uh, well, let me see. They had hearings this week. Um, the, the one that was, well, the, there was the one with the, uh, the people from, uh, from the States and the harrowing part of that was at the end when the election worker from Georgia described the, uh, all the threats that she had gotten and, and and that right. that story is really a horrible story. I mean, she was you know, shaking. Well, if you know the details of that, Trump was having rallies where they were. He was playing the video where supposedly they're pulling out the suitcase full of ballots, and he was screaming out the woman's name. And then you know they what what they did to her was terrible. Mm-hmm. And, to, and well, her to mother, her, right? To her and her mother, yeah. And I I remember that when it was happening, and. uh it, but I had honestly forgotten part of it. And then when she was telling the story and, you know, they were walking her through that testimony, it, it, it was pretty harrowing. And then yeah. uh, there was another hearing on Thursday where I, I didn't, I honestly didn't think this one would be that interesting. It was the guys from the justice department. Oh, I love those guys. And uh, yeah, well, I, I knew who Rosen was and I kind of vaguely knew who one of the other guys was. And, uh, I started watching it and that was actually, I think the most dramatic one so far, you know, the way that the story they were telling about how, uh, 
how Trump was trying to weaponize the Department of Justice is is just amazing. I mean, it, it makes they, what happened in Watergate look like nothing, really. Right. I mean, and then they had that scene in the Oval Office, right, where there were they were there were like six of them or something facing right. facing Trump behind the the desk there, and and then they went around the room and they said, you know, he said, "What if I, you know." make give him you, this your job what will you do and then he went around and finally he got to one guy who said so, who was there you know with trump from the beginning and he said uh you know will everybody will resign and the guy that you're going to appoint for attorney general will be leading a graveyard right and that was a very potent uh, phrase to use. And then, um, you know, they explained to Trump that the story won't be that you, you know, have this guy Clark as the AG and he's going to he's going to interfere with the election. The story is going to be that you had to go through everybody until you found a uh, stooge. And, and it'll and basically from what I took from it was that Trump understood that it was going to be look bad for him. Right. That, that he had to do that. So naturally, he was afraid of having bad publicity. And that's the reason that he uh, decided not to do it. Right. See that they knew how to get the point across to him because yeah. you could you could sit there all day and explain that something was illegal or unethical. Right. And it would mean nothing. Right. But but if you tell him that he'll he'll look like a jerk all of a sudden that then he springs you he'll know, look weak right right you'll look weak he'll, all of a sudden that 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 gets to him all of a sudden he springs into action over that exactly know, like that, he doesn't you know. want to be seen as looking weak that's the worst thing well his father always berated him for being yeah. weak that exactly was the, that was the thing i mean he, he well did. i don't know if he berated him i think he ber i think that they saw the older brother as being weak and right but, so what but, happened to that guy right it was like the fear of being weak yes he, he would because his would... father said there's only killers and losers right That's so it. uh right so he he would be seen to be a loser who you know drove everybody away and then right. that 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 got through to him yeah the fact that it was illegal immoral unethical unprecedented right. unconstitutional unconstitutional right that meant nothing no it nothing meant nothing he right? said to them what do i have to lose that's what he was saying oh yeah yeah that, yeah the one guy said well actually that was a pretty good opening because then i went down the list of all the things that he did have to lose right. and uh and that made the difference yeah all right who's the media this this week i well i would have to say my my favorite media thing in the last few days was uh last night aoc went on instagram live which she does occasionally mm -hmm. i mean she she does just like her own media organization i mean mm -hmm. she can just go on instagram and get tens of thousands of people to listen to her right so she doesn't have to worry about going on television all that much although she was on meet the press today she was today yes mm -hmm. and she was she was good on it but mm -hmm. um she went on Instagram Live uh, last night to raise money for these abortion fund organizations right. who were helping women in the what they call the trigger states. Yep. Uh, which you know, good for her. And um, she she has and been. She she should also be talking to U-Haul because if you're going to raise money, you know, I mean, I've seen these emails come in and they say something like, you know, can you send $20 to help pay for an abortion? That's not exactly the best appeal. You know, that's not the best messaging. 
Um, so, you know, maybe if they said something like, you know, would you help, uh, you know, with, uh, help us get resources to, you know, women in, uh, in these States, you know, red States who are seeking, uh, you know, healthcare or something like that. I mean, I wouldn't say send us $20 for an abortion. Yeah. One of the, uh, one of the points AOC has been making in the last day or two is that, the Democrats all knew that this decision was coming because it had already leaked. Mm-hmm. And some of them just spent time getting their fundraising letters written mm-hmm. and then they sent them out, but they don't really have a plan for anything else. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I saw something, I, it was Friday afternoon. Someone had gotten a fundraising letter written by James Carville oh. and just like completely lost it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, first of all, James Carville, I mean, he he's a one hit wonder from 1992 <laughs> you know he's and, the I mean, raging cajun isn't he? oh my god a guy should just shut up and go away <laughs> i mean you know look i mean my my unpopular opinion is the clinton should have gone back to arkansas in 2001 and left everyone alone Ooh, and wow. and uh and instead they took over the the fundraising arm of the party, which mm-hmm. means they control the party to some right. extent to this day. Yeah. And, uh, and, and this is where we are, mm. you know, and, but, well, but then the, 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 uh, the, the bad media this week was uh, Friday morning, Pelosi and the democratic leaders of the house and a bunch of other Democrats went out on the steps of the Capitol and they sang God bless America yeah, I, I didn't get that. Were, well, what what happened was they had just passed the gun control bill. Ah, okay. So they sense. some some genius, I guess, days earlier said, whenever we pass the gun control bill, we should all go out on the steps and sing "God Bless America" mm-hmm. to show that we've all been bipartisan and mm-hmm. we passed the gun control bill. Mm-hmm. Because they can't think on their feet. They go out, you know, the, the decision comes down, then they go out on the steps of the Capitol. Right. And and the, the, the fools stand there singing God bless America, while across the street you can hear the protests in front of the Supreme Court already mm. beginning. Mm-hmm. And it's like what what are, you know, it's like what are these people doing? Well, <laughs> they don't they can't they obviously can't turn on a dime. That's you know, they can't they can't react quickly. Right. And then and then Pelosi went to the podium and she read a poem mm. that w- that was uh, her first reaction to oh, the gosh. Uh, Supreme Court decision. It, well, thank uh. God it wasn't a poem by Bono again. Oh. And uh, in fact, Bono was interviewed. Bono has written a memoir, which which apparently is supposed to be pretty good. It's coming mm. out in the fall. And mm. uh, he was interviewed by The Guardian and they asked him about uh Pelosi reading his poem on St. Patrick's Day, and he's kind of like mortified over it. Mm. He's kind of like, he's saying, "I it's a limerick. I wrote a limerick," and and she said, "I'm going to read a poem like it's like Seamus Heaney or something." He <laughs> said it was just a limerick I wrote. I didn't, you know. He apparently had no intention of uh, having. Now, why do they call it limerick? Is it from limerick? Yeah, I, I suppose it it probably has something to do with the city of Limerick. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, you know, I think that we'll have to look into that for a future episode. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll find out some, uh, obscure and bizarre facts pertaining to that. If you think I should, 
but I yeah, do, I, think that, I do think so. Because you're you're always, you know, with the historical, uh, you know, backdrop like you're going to do right now with the game, the Michigan yeah, oh, yeah, or Milwaukee yeah. game. Oh yeah, we oh yeah we we're 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 going to deal with Go uh, we're going to deal with some history that Spool relates. Out. Yeah, we're going to deal with some history that relates to the present day. Are you in the mood for that sort of yes, thing? Yes, every of, every week I'm waiting okay, to hear how, so, how you um, do that. Now, people have been talking about impeaching Supreme Court justices. Like a few months ago already, people were talking about impeaching Clarence Thomas because of his uh, wife's involvement with the insurrection and the fact that he participated in a case pertaining to that. Now, this is not part of the game, but did you know that there's only been one impeachment of a Supreme Court justice in the long history of America. I didn't know. Who was that? It was a guy named Samuel Chase in 1804. Mm. And he was, uh, he apparently was a very difficult character. This was when the Supreme Court still conducted trials Mm. and they impeached him over his behavior during trials. And then uh, he was acquitted by the Senate. So Ah. that was in 1804. Mm -hmm. Now, Now, the game, and we'll get to the game part now. Now, this is either Michigas or malarkey. This is either something that's true, but it just sounds completely crazy, or it's malarkey, meaning I just made this up trying, mm-hmm. to, uh, trying to fool you. Uh, did, did the Nixon administration, helped by a powerful Republican congressman named Gerald Ford, launch an attempt to get the most liberal member of the Supreme Court impeached by accusing him of writing for pornographic magazines and advocating a, quote, hippie, yippie style revolution. <laughs> now, that's not hippie dippy. It's hippie no. yippie. Yeah. Yeah. Why? I mean, it's so outrageous. I'm going to say it's true. It, it is true. Yes. Yeah. Hey, they, that's they, why ever since I put you onto the game, I'm, I'm hitting them out of the ballpark. Yeah. Well, it's, um, well, I didn't try to fool you too much, but okay. it, it is, it is so bizarre. What happened was, uh, William O. Douglas was appointed to the, uh, the court by Franklin Roosevelt. And for years he was the most liberal member of the court. Um, now, for years, Douglas had been the court's leading advocate for privacy rights. Now, th- mm-hmm. this is what made me think of him today is uh, 57 years ago this month, in June 1965, Douglas wrote the court's majority opinion in Griswold versus Connecticut. Wow. And that struck down the law that prohibited married couples from using birth control. Mm-hmm. Now, that was the first case to assert that there was a right of privacy in the constitution mm-hmm. though it's not explicitly stated right and and it was a 7-2 opinion so it mm-hmm. was you know it was a uh, pretty decisive, decisive opinion yeah. but but douglas wrote the majority opinion mm-hmm. and he had he had always advocated for privacy rights and free press and all these things that now is that the same one griswold that protects uh, gay people well, yeah, the, the re, not that case. That case was about contraception, but it mm. said there's a right of privacy. Mm-hmm. So what happened was Roe and then the later cases for um, gay gay sex and gay mm-hmm. marriage and mm-hmm. other things are all 
all come out of Griswold. Gotcha. Yeah. So Douglas having written that majority opinion. Now, when Clarence Thomas said in his concurring opinion the other day that they should go back and look at those cases, he went back as far as Griswold. Mm-hmm. Because Griswold is the one that said there's a right right to privacy. Right. So that that was William O. Douglas. Now the Nixon administration hated him and they wanted to get rid of him. So Gerald Ford gave a two hour speech denouncing him on the house floor. Wow. And he accused them of writing for pornographic magazines mm. and espousing hippie yippie style revolution. <laughs> and what, uh-huh. what happened was um, Douglas had written a lot of books. He, he, Douglas, he would go off and climb mountains. He was always hiking and he was always writing a lot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he wrote a book called Points of Rebellion, hmm. and there was an excerpt of it in a magazine called the Evergreen Review. Mm-hmm. You, do you remember the Evergreen Review? Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it was published the name by is Grove, familiar. Yeah, it was published by Grove Press, mm-hmm. and they publish Allen Ginsberg and Kerouac and uh, oh, yeah. Timothy Leary and, you know, name anyone from that era. Sure. They, they would have been in the Evergreen Review. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Evergreen Review in 1970 published an excerpt from Douglas's book. And uh, Douglas said that Random House made the decision to excerpt it to the Evergreen Review. He had nothing to do with it. Right. Uh, Random House had the right to do that, and they did. So Gerald Ford waved around a copy of the Evergreen Review and said it was hardcore pornography. Mm. And Douglas had written for this magazine that was hardcore pornography. Now, mm-hmm. What Ford did, which is kind of typical of Ford, is apparently the Nixon administration pressured him into doing this, but then he, <laughs> but, but then he never followed through on it. He never right. actually, he said he wanted, he said, I would, you know, take him off the court today if I could. Yeah. And uh, gave what for Ford, I guess, was a pretty fiery speech. Right. right. And, um, and then the, these guys, these Republicans started uh, this, you know, movement to have Douglas impeached set up some kind of a subcommittee to study whether to impeach Douglas and they were able to like slow walk it into nothing. And then of course it got voted down and it never went anywhere. Mm-hmm. But that, that was the, uh, the one time that there was actually a serious effort to impeach a uh, Interesting. Supreme court justice. And it, it just happened to be the guy who wrote the Griswold opinion, which they're all gunning for now. Right. So, so there's a lot of, uh, so now they're asking, you know, how do you add seats to the court? So what would be required for that? I suppose the Congress could just do it. I mean, they've changed it at, at different well, times. Well, when you say the Congress, I mean, uh, so that, again, that means that it gets passed by a majority in the House, but then is it a simple majority in the Senate or is it a two-thirds? Well, yeah, they would have to. The do, filibuster. Uh, yeah, they would have to suspend the, the uh, filibuster for that. Okay, so then it comes down to Mansion and Cinema, then, right? And that, so, that seems so basically, be... what you're saying to if 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 this you know if this uh, holds up, which we're not you know we're not 100 percent sure, that basically Mansion and Cinema could expand the Supreme Court. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's, that's well, the way it works in practical terms. All right. Well, we'll see if that happens. So um, another you know good game of uh you know history brought to life uh in our present time and then the last segment is hit list or shit list and uh you know i've been uh, monopolizing this uh, category um but i happen to have seen something very good last night 
Michael Clayton, the movie with uh, starring George Clooney. Yeah, that's which, like that's like it's like 15 years old. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I had never seen it. And, you know, pretty much uh, once a month or twice a month, somebody references it for some reason. And sometimes they even like say, you know, as as Michael Clayton says, you know, I'm not the lawyer you kill. I'm the one you buy or whatever the you know, whatever the the great quotes are from the movie. But the thing that really, uh, you know, that I got excited about, I mean, it's a, it's a terrific movie. Um, you know, it's extremely well written. Clooney is good in it. I think this is all obviously my opinion only. But um, uh, the thing that caught my attention was they had a scene in there and I recognized the bar. It was Bill's Gay 90s Bar. Now, have you ever been in there? It's not a gay bar, but have you ever been in that bar? Bill's Gay 90s. Yes. Where is it? All right. It was on 54th Street, I think near 5th Avenue, and it was in a townhouse. And I was working at Harper and Rowe, which later became Harper Collins, and they were on 53rd Street. So if I you know, was going to be meeting somebody for a drink or if, you know, a colleague from the office said, let's go get a drink. That's where I would take them. I would, right. That know, was, that was, that was your, um, later it was the Ararang house. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, there were so many different places. <laughs> right. But remember the Ararang house was always the Rolling Stone place where right. everybody was going to the Ararang house. Yeah, exactly. But this wasn't so much, you know, the 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 office place. It was just happened to be my place because, I mean, I just found it so, uh, you know, interesting. So it basically I don't know if it dates back to the uh, to the 1890s, but it was certainly decked out that way and very old. And the thing about it, well, there were two things. One, people said that it was where the cops went to drink. That was, you know, number one. And number two, it had the whole, this whole boxing um, motif to it where they had posters of all of the, you know, the old boxing matches from the 1890s, I guess it is. So it's a, it was a very distinctive place. It was one of the places where when I was looking it up yesterday, I saw, you know, you go to these websites that talk about, you know, uh, legendary New York watering holes and things like that. And it was considered one of those. And it lasted up until about 2012. And then it changed hands a few times. And I believe that that location is now closed. Now I'm looking up bills and it says, uh, you know, that it was open during prohibition. So it didn't go, you know, so it was, it, it had an 1890s theme, but, you know, it, it didn't open until the 1920s. But, you know, until all the way, I guess it lasted uh, almost 100 years, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, 90 years. So anyway, that's, you know, that caught my eye and, uh, you know, gave me a very good feeling. And there was a scene that took place there and you got to see the bar. Uh, but the rest of the movie, I mean, it was just, you know, it was really suspenseful. And I, I just thought it was great. And I was glad that I got to see it. And then it reminded me, it gave me a glimpse back into that uh, that Bill's place. Yeah, well, that's interesting. Yeah, I don't I don't think I was ever in that bar. In fact, I... It seems vaguely familiar. When I worked as a messenger, I used to be up and down those blocks a lot, mm-hmm. and I must mm-hmm. I must have walked by it. So yeah, well, if you go and you know look it up and see the front of it, maybe you'll uh, it'll jog your memory. So had have you ever seen uh, Michael Clayton that movie? No, I have not. Oh fact, my god! 
so so do try this one uh it's it's on uh, free on uh, amazon prime if you have that all right so that's that's the week in review okay so everybody go back and read griswold v connecticut and uh be prepared for uh Excellent of, advice, uh, and and start uh, start going through the, your house and get rid of you know a third of your stuff and donate a third and then get the third last third into the U-Haul because I'm going to be pulling up in front. Yeah, well, you know, we're going to well, take it. We're going to take it to a blue state. All no, right, <laughs> I have take, no urgent need for that, but thanks anyway. <laughs> all right, take care and talk next week. Okay, Bye take now. it easy.